Yeah, in answer to your question, yeah, it's okay to record uh, this conversation. Obviously, it's not a sermon, but I should probably still... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good idea to just say that uh, I can't give permission to to promulgate or publish this uh, just because those are the kind of restrictions I'm living under. But And I'll just presume it for a conversation, too. Anyway, yeah, what... <laughs> talking about loyalty to the church given the clergy and the hierarchy. Well, our loyalty is to Christ because the, the church is his mystical body. But we don't want to get confused by any of the particular members in, in the church militant because when we're loyal to the church, that includes all the souls in purgatory and all the saints in heaven. Uh, that's really what it is. And when we see this kind of... Uh, well, this apostasy that we have and the, the behavior, misbehavior of the clergy, it shouldn't really, it should, in a certain sense, it should sadden us on behalf of Christ, you know, make it fill us with the desire to make reparation. But our faith isn't in the priest, thanks be to God. You know, I may be a priest, but uh, <laughs> a pri- your priest, the bishop, the pope, those are all means to an end, but it's not the end, uh, you know. We're not going to be gazing on our parish priest or, or the bishop or the pope for all eternity. The end is the union with Christ, and this is a means he set up for. And when we see this, though, there's there's certain things historically that we can think about, and it's good to meditate on. The first thing I, I, I usually, when people do this and they come in with the latest, you know, catastrophe from Rome, uh, the, the idolatry last year, or, or the commemoration of the, of the idolatry this year, we can talk about that later, but... Uh, I tell them, well, you know, go to the Stations of the Cross. And when you're done, come back and get me and bring me to the Station of the Cross. It has the Pope and most of the bishops. And they usually look at you for a minute and start laughing. and say, well, you know, because they weren't there. And that tells us a lot. And it's something worth meditating on. It doesn't say that, that St. Peter wasn't the Pope. It doesn't say the other apostles weren't bishops. They ran away. Who's the only one there? It's St. John. He's the only bishop. Every other bishop, all the other clergy in the Catholic Church were missing. And he was the one at the crucifixion. And why was he the one there? Because he stayed close to Our Lady. And that's the key. We have to stay close to Our Lady or we won't be there either. And not really to pay much attention to what they're doing. I mean, if, if they have something legitimate, of course, we... we uh, we need to be uh, obey that, but uh, for the most part, I think it's a, really a danger to your spiritual life to pay much attention to what they're doing. If they say something, I think, okay, whatever. Doesn't mean they're not the bishop. Doesn't mean they're not the priest. Doesn't mean they're not the pope. It's just like, um, why worry? We got to stay close to Our Lady so we can keep our focus on our Lord. Stay there, and I. I rather doubt, and I'm not speaking for St. John, it's a, but I rather doubt he was concerning himself with what St. Peter and his brother James and everybody else was doing. He's right there with Our Lady and Our Lord. And could he explain everything going on? No, because after the fact, you can. And after the send of the Holy Ghost, but right then, I mean, what is going on here? Because it looks like our Lord, our Lord is dying. How can he die? How can this be happening? This is what we've, we're going through in the church. How can the church fall apart like this? How can the church apparently die? How can everything be so unbelievably catastrophic? Because it's the the passion of the mystical body. And it's going to get worse. I, I mean, the, the, let's not be 
let's not have any illusions. It's only going to get worse. Uh, there's going to be... <laughs> so, uh, that's the time we're in right now. Uh, it's going to get worse. Uh, so, I would, that's one thing I think about. We can come back to that. Another thing I would think about, too, is uh, is England under Henry VIII. I think that's a good meditation. We're English speakers. And we can think, what happened then? Like, here's all these people that were Catholic one day, and then they weren't the next. Here, here's the, that was my that's my bishop, that's my parish priest, that's my parish church. These are the people, and then one day that's the same bishop, that's the same priest, that's the same people. And they're not Catholic anymore. What did they do? And when we stop and say, what did they do? They broke their union with Christ. And we want to be very careful not to do that ourselves. Those people followed their priests when they shouldn't have. They followed their bishops when they shouldn't have. So when the Pope does idolatry, and let's be clear, that's exactly what was going on in St. Peter's, we don't follow that. That doesn't, that doesn't mean we launch off and start our own church, but we can't follow him there. When our bishop does some oddball thing, we can't follow him there. The same with our priests. And we've had a bumper crop of this nonsense. It just, it just, there's no end to it. And uh, But we're in the church to have union with Christ. And so we want to preserve that union with Christ, even if it means not going along with our priest, whilst we're preserving our union with them at the time. So yeah, it is like that, but you just have to have sort of a sense of humor about it, even like a grim sense of humor, because it's not really funny like in a ha-ha, but I think a grim sense of humor... Yeah, that's, I would say that. You know, you just might maybe, maybe kind of a chuckle through gritted teeth at the, at the latest insanity from this chancery or that, you know. It really is amazing. You know, I want to return to a point there and I'll, I'll continue with what you, what you've asked. But, uh, another good thing to, to meditate on is the condition of the church whilst our Lord was visibly present on earth. Because remember at the time, the church at that time consists of the high priest, you know, the priest, the Sanhedrin, you know, the faithful. And they were, it was like gangsterville. You had, uh, Caiaphas and Annas and they had all this the racket going on. You had the money changers in the temple and they're, they're scamming off that. The, the, most of the hierarchy are Sadducees, which means they didn't believe in anything. They're the Old Testament equivalent of modernists. Then you have the Pharisees, who are all about rules but no charity, which are kind of the Old Testament equivalent of a lot of the traditionalists. So the people are asking the Lord, what do we do? You know, I said, and what does he say? He doesn't say, start your own church. He doesn't say, break communion with them, because they're obviously gangsters. And he says, well, they sit on the chair of Moses, so you have to do what they say, but not what they do. In other words, not anything they said, if they said something wrong, and we'll get, like, for example, which is very, very serious here in a minute, but uh, but anything legitimate, but we don't want to imitate him. And then what do you see those guys do? They actually denounce him and say, we, we have no king but Caesar. So they actually denounced God and chose a pagan ruler. Uh, you don't go along with that. <laughs> so so uh, we, we're seeing similar kind of things. I mean, we have this spectacle in in, in Rome last year with with the uh, with the Amazon Synod, but we had a preview. I'd have to look it up. I don't know, but I'm going to say it was about 
it was about five years ago, about 2015, I think, on December 8th, significant date, on Immaculate Conception, they used the facade of St. Peter's like an outdoor movie theater. And there was this projection of all these kind of movies and, and, and images and scenes, you know, like a rising sun in the darkness, all these animals and growls and weird jungle noises and all this weird pagan stuff and very very significant spiritually from an occult point of view. And I do not recommend going to check that out. I, I think it would be dangerous for you spiritually. But it was a preview of Coming Attractions, and it was on the facade of St. Peter's. Now, the guy that had done it had practiced on the Empire State Building a, a month or so before, and he, he projected an image of this Hindu goddess that he, they offer human sacrifice to. She rides a, a horse. The saddle's made out of a flayed skin of a man. She has a, a necklace made out of skulls and drinks human blood from a kind of a, a, a beer stein where it's made out of skulls. And so this is the kind of person we have projecting uh, a thing on St. Peter's. Gee, I wonder why. So that was preview of coming attraction. Then we see the Amazon Synod where you have the utter astonishment of of watching all these people bowing down literally to this piece of wood that symbolizes a devil, an Inca devil, not an Amazon devil. It's an Inca devil. It's a devil from the Andes. And then processed in by the hierarchy into St. Peter's. It's very spiritually significant. And then during a papal mass, the Pope puts a plant that, that symbolizes this thing on the altar. And by the way, that particular, uh, I don't, I don't say the name of that thing because I don't want to give it any kind of credit, but that particular devil is placated by offering blood sacrifice to, like when the, one of these Inca kings was, uh, was, was coronated, there was like 200 and some babies sacrificed. And, and they, so they'd sacrifice llamas and humans to this thing. So it's placated with blood. So they put, a plant in honor of this thing on the altar. So in other words, the Pope, the Pope, the Pope made an equivalent between the sacrifice of the Son of God offered to God the Father and the sacrifice of a devil. You know, we can't make enough reparation. That can only only be undone by the Pope. So we can't make enough reparation. So unlike what happened at Mount Sinai, which is when Aaron built uh, the golden calf, but Moses called and, and it's the high priest built the golden calf and, and the Levites rose up and, and uh, defended the honor of God, we've had nothing but crickets in the church. It's silence in the heavens. You hear almost nothing. And I think that's very significant spiritually too. It's worth meditating on and uh, you're asking how to get through this. But I I think we can see right there that we're in a time that we're really going to have to be grounded in Christ and Our Lady. Because the kind of leadership that you're looking for, uh, we don't merit. It is silence. They're silent. Some have been silenced, in effect. And there's going to be silence. So we're going to have to really rely on our Lord as we enter into this. But you were asking more about how we stay loyal in all this. I can't emphasize strongly enough staying close to Our Lady and praying.
keep on placing these things. When they're troubling, place them in Our Lady's hands and ask her to take care of it. And a lot of it, we have to have the humility to say, I don't completely understand what's going on, but I don't need to. I, I do understand if I stay close to you, I'll be all right. St. John couldn't have given us a theological explanation. I'm pretty sure. I don't want to speak for him but of what was going on during the crucifixion. But he stayed close to Our Lady. The women that stayed, you know, St. Mary Magdalene, all they stayed close. They stood there, and they went through the Passion right there at the foot of the cross. And that's where we want to be spiritually. And so even if there is silence from the hierarchy and silence from so much of the clergy, that in no way should dismay us. It shouldn't dismay us at all. We may be sad, but uh, we shouldn't even indulge ourselves in that. Uh, we should stay close to Our Lady and see that's the times we're in. Okay.